0: Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn fans, and welcome back to another edition of Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion here on the E2C network. We have begun a new season, and with that, the excitement of what possibly could be, even in a year where we will not be participating in the postseason. Has arrived upon us. We just got done doing our season preview in our last episode, and we now actually have game action to talk about. And we're going to waste no time getting into what actually happened to the first two games of the season at the Fort Myers tip off for our Auburn men's basketball team. I am your host, Kyle Loomis. Thank you for joining me. And as always, we appreciate you listening and love to hear your feedback on social media or via email on your thoughts on, obviously, this podcast, but on the Auburn basketball team in general, so you can share those any point on social media or email. So let's get into uh, what our typical uh, theme for each show will be. We'll cover any general news uh, topics that are for this podcast or for auburn in general auburn basketball specifically at the top of that and with that we'll cover some podcast related news we addressed in the last episode that we're potentially looking for another co-host or co-host to join me here or to do it on your own uh in this podcast in the future and we've had some responses back to that so for those of you that have reached out we have received those and we are going to be getting into the process of looking through those uh very soon here so if you're having a little bit of a delay experienced on the, a response to that, don't fret. Just means we're trying to get through all those things. So potentially could be just me for. A little while here by myself, and uh, hopefully there will be someone in a new voice here on Inside the Jungle in the very near future. Now, general podcast, uh, not just general podcast news, but general Auburn basketball news. Uh, there's really not much that we haven't covered in our season preview. Now, by the way, if you haven't checked that out, I would recommend doing that because we went into detail about the schedule, the roster, the coaching staff. News and rumors that are fresh on everyone's mind, obviously, hashtag free Sharif is on everyone's mind right now. And so we'll be getting into a little bit of that uh, with the discussion about these past two games tonight as well. But we should just start out here by addressing what Auburn played into the first two games here. And that was the Fort Myers tip off in Fort Myers, Florida. Now, here's the thing is that this was supposed to be really for Auburn at this time of year. Uh, the beginning of the season was supposed to be at the Orlando Invitational, which, which is going to be a star-studded, full-tournament-style uh, Invitational in Walt Disney World. Now, we'll pull-the-curtain-back for everybody here. If you know anything about me, I'm a huge Walt Disney World fan, so the prospect of me being able to potentially go down to Orlando, Florida over Thanksgiving weekend to be there, watch, and cover the basketball team in Walt Disney World, I had been looking forward to that all year thanks 2020 for ruining that. So I'm a little bit bummed about that. However, at least we do get some Auburn basketball to talk about. And thankfully, the Fort Myers tip-off was able to bring in two competitors from that Invitational that got canceled for obvious reasons, uh, being in a very heavily packed environment that Walt Disney would be, probably wouldn't be the smartest thing to do that right now, but brought them over to Fort Myers, and that would be Auburn, and Gonzaga. The original field was going to be Auburn, Belmont, Boise State, Gonzaga, Michigan State, St. Louis, Siena, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Xavier. Let me just say that again. Not all of the names, but the ones obviously Auburn sticks out to you. Gonzaga was going to be there, Michigan State, Xavier, and I'll even throw St. Louis as the big one to be exi- excited about. All those names, honestly, have had some success and some notoriety over the past few seasons and and maybe decade or so so they were all teams worthy of being there and so that's another reason i was super excited for that and when it was canceled very very bummed thankfully though the tip-off in fort myers brought over auburn and gonzaga and also included in that kansas and st joe's all four of these teams especially auburn now are considered you know programs that you want to have in your tip-offs your classics your invitationals your tournaments especially at the beginning of the season during the bulk of non-conference play. So I'm thankful that we got to participate in something, especially with high caliber of teams that were going to be there. And boy, were they high caliber. And they gave Auburn everything they could handle and more in some aspects. So Auburn, this was not going to be a a tournament style. It's it's a tip-off classic. It just means that you're going to be playing with uh, several teams to see how well you match up. Thankfully, in their first game, Auburn got a somewhat easier matchup. Against Saint Joseph's, and in the second matchup, the number one team in the land, Gonzaga. That uh, we'll we'll talk about how well that went in just a second here. A couple of things I want to note before we get into the meat of those two games. So again, we are sitting in the middle of a time where, as of this podcast, we don't know what's going to happen with Sharif Cooper could change any moment now. And that tends to be my luck is that when we record a podcast about something that's kind of in motion, could change. As soon as we get the podcast out, we get the news of it. So who knows what's going to happen at this point. But Sharif Cooper is still up in the air, whether he is eligible. They're still looking into that. And is he going to be participate with this team? If he's not, will he go overseas and do some stuff with that? Will he just redshirt a year? I don't know. Who knows? It's already a year that's been mired by no postseason play. So a lot of people are upset about that. And with some of the storylines out of these games, you can not only see not just his talent, but his needs that he feels at his position are very much needed for Sharif to be there, hopefully this year, if not in the future. Also, another thing that I found interesting uh, at this tournament was the COVID-19 setup. Not really major things instead of just the interesting s- setup of the bench where chairs for the players were set up like staggered and in rows. And I just found it very interesting. And I'm not I don't really want this to come across as a critique more than just uh, asking questions you know, we have these players go out there and run around and bang around with each other, sweat and huff and puff all over each other. And then they come put a mask on on the sideline and then they go back out and do it again. It's I just found it very interesting. I know that several of you out there probably feel the same way. Just kind of one of those things is like kind of why are we doing those type of things? It's again, don't take this as a like they shouldn't be doing this at all type of snare. Just curious as to what good it's actually doing. And look, I'm not a healthcare professional, just an outside observer vation person just kind of speculating on what I'm seeing. So just some little notes from off the top there. All right, so let's give into a breakdown. Normally what we'll do here is just give you a quick overview of the basic action and flow of the game and some storylines off of that. So we'll talk about both of those right off the top here for game number 1 of the 2020 2021 season. It would be Auburn versus Saint josephs for the game flow the first half auburn actually was able to pull ahead a little bit early with st joe's hanging around and uh, making it at least not going to be so easy for auburn in the first half second half though auburn comes out kind of does some similar things but slowly kind of allows st joe's back into the game all the way to the point and i believe it was one minute left in the game st josephs takes the lead Got very scary for Auburn in a minute. The typical Auburn fashion, we allow a team to come back and give everybody heart palpitations. I know I had them. You know you had them. Let's all be honest, we were Clint Richardson for a minute there. If you don't know what I'm referencing, just go to our Twitter account and you can find a certain gif there with one quit, uh, Clint Richardson uh, clutching his chest in a very comical fashion. So thankfully, though, Auburn in overtime because they were able to get the uh, the tie going in regulation and Auburn was able to pull away from St. Joseph's and not in comfortable fashion, but just able to get a, a more than two possession when there, uh and finally start off the season. one to know now that happiness subsided very quickly, not even 24 hours later, when we took on the number one team in the land, everyone was anticipating this. Come on. It look, I'm the biggest optimist in the world, and if you thought that Auburn was going to take down Gonzaga with a brand new squad, literally no starters returning, and uh, all kind of new fresh faces and and, uh, uh, younger uh, players being able to contribute on this team, I mean, they could have. It's possible. It wasn't likely, though, and uh, we saw that come to fruition here. In the first half, Gonzaga uh, really asserted itself almost from the get-go. Auburn kind of showed a little fight there, and... They hung around for the most part, kept it within striking range going into the half. However, there were, I think it was maybe like three or four minutes into the second half, Gonzaga just blew it wide open. And you could tell that Auburn just wasn't going to be in the gym with them for the rest of the game, which was very sad because I, I wanted to see a team that could at least make it interesting. And you saw them have moments where it would sway back and forth, back and forth and Auburn kind of make a run at it, but then they'd make a couple of mistakes and Gonzaga would just capitalize on them. I, you know, I've criticized Gonzaga over the years because I used to count on them in the March madness brackets I would do. And every year they would let me down based off what I saw in this tip off classic, what they did against Kansas and us. I gotta say this might be one of those years for Gonzaga. There are a lot of other great teams we'll be seeing number two as they are currently ranked later on in the season. So we'll see how it compares then. Uh, and obviously Auburn will hopefully be better by then. So maybe it might be a little bit more competitive, but right now Gonzaga looks every bit of number one uh, that most people assume that they are. So there it is. The The obvious happened. Uh, Auburn takes St. Uh, Joseph's for the win. But takes a not an embarrassing but a very what most people would say was an obvious loss to Gonzaga to start off the season now a couple of storylines out of this game and then we'll kind of look through some of the stats of each of these I think the obvious one and we've already touched on it is the point guard position and the loss of Sharif Cooper you can see how much this team was really banking on having him as the go-to guy and as we talked about in the season preview there's the question of now, who is the next point guard? I think the obvious answer is Tyrell, Tyrell Turbo Jones. I keep wanting to just call him Turbo off the start there. And uh, he had some, we'll call it mixed reviews on his performance last year from most people if you talk to them. I wasn't, like, overly impressed or overly disappointed in anything. I think he kind of just did the best he could with the time that he had. But it it's really was probably on paper going to be his position to lose. However, there's a new one in the mix... certain Justin Powell, who traditionally is a shooting guard, but has some experience at point guard. And I even brought up in the season preview show, would he be potentially participating as a point guard a little bit more often than not, especially with Sharif Cooper potentially not being part of the squad this year? So really, that's kind of what you saw is a team searching for a point guard and someone willing to seize that moment. I saw Tyrell Turbo Jones' have moments where it seemed like he could potentially be ready. I saw some moments where maybe he wasn't, but these are just two games in the season, one against the number one team in the land. So it's hard to really make a fair justification on that. I would say if we can't figure out, let's just assume Sharif's not going to be there. I know, I know it's terrible to think about. Hashtag free Sharif may never come to fruition and it might just be Turbo leading the way. So that's what I'm going to assume is that he has some time going through the rest of non-conference and by conference play, we have settled on someone as the point guard, because you'll hear a lot of people saying that, you know, Justin Powell needs to be in his natural position as a, you know, a six foot six point guard is not something that you typically see super successful in, uh, in college basketball, at least maybe in the NBA. I don't know. They've got probably seven foot point guards at this point. Who knows what they do in the NBA. I don't watch it anymore because anyway, I'm not gonna get into that. That's it's neither here nor there. And I'm probably going to upset some NBA fans if I say my true opinions about that professional sport and uh, the lack of effort. Here I go. I'm digressing. (laughs) Let's talk about some Auburn uh, men's basketball though, because you'll definitely see effort there. Maybe not so much at the end of the Gonzaga game, but I digress even for a little bit. The other big storyline for me is the emergence of, as we already brought him out, uh, Justin Powell coming out of Kentucky, a very, A highly touted individual and one that Auburn was very proud to snag out of the basketball powerhouse state of Kentucky. I am super excited to have him here just because of his versatility as a point guard and as a shooting guard, albeit a very large one and much needed now without Sharif. But I can see now exactly what Coach Pearl and the rest of the coaching staff saw what they had with this guy. And I think all of you saw that as well. Um, I think in his first game, if I'm looking at my stats correctly here, he had 17 points. And in the second game, uh, he only got seven points, but he he knocked down a couple of nice threes, showed an ability to drive to the lane. Didn't really seem too intimidated, uh, especially with uh, some of the guards that got up in his face when he's bringing the ball down the court. So I think Powell... And his freshman year and his first two games is probably the one that turned everyone's head the most in terms of the new guys. That's just me kind of outside looking in, although a couple of big dunts from a couple of individuals made some for some interesting times as well. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest, every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on, who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to the bachelor and the connections it has with auburn utilize our podcasts facebook live shows and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request let us help you reach the e2c network family and the auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them reach out to us at e2c at gmail.com for more information that's all we have for you in this special message let's get back into the episode I say let's do this. Let's kind of just walk through the stats for a few uh, minutes here and kind of look at what we have um, to to work with in terms of these first two games and maybe some impressions that we can pull from it. We'll start with the St. Joseph stats here and I'll kind of go through some of the uh, point spreads here. Um, Jones had 11 points for Auburn. JT Thor fouled out and had 7 points. Alan Flanagan, 12. Uh, Williams had 18. Devin Cambridge had 13. I was actually shocked that Devin... Had 13 points because he kind of slid into the background a little bit for me, especially in the Gonzaga game. To see him get 13 points, though, is a good thing, though. Uh, Johnson had four. Uh, Chris Moore had seven. Uh, Stretch, Babatunde Akinbola, love saying that name, had seven points. Just had 17. And then uh, Dylan Cardwell had zero points. So almost everyone who saw playing time during this game got some points. Here's the interesting thing. He, everyone scored seven points or more other than Johnson. And that's uh, that's pretty crazy. That shows you how well we were able to spread the ball out. Um, Jalen Williams obviously gets the most points on the night with 18 points, but right behind him was Justin Powell. Uh, JT Thor, uh, everybody's been wanting to make the references to Thor and bringing down the hammer, and you got a couple of those moments in these first two games for him. Uh, but obviously, as we've already brought up a couple times, Justin is the guy that really turns most people's heads. Uh, On defense, Auburn was uh, allowing four players on St. Joseph's to go into double digits, actually five players, and that's kind of what got them into trouble. We talked a lot about previous seasons. The goal here should be to probably allow no more than three, maybe four players to get into double scoring digits, and uh, unfortunately, they allowed five. Uh, Funk, what an interesting last name got 28 points, uh, Bishop with 18, Daly with 18, Foster Jr. with 11, and then Forrest with 15. With their major run, them coming in uh, the end of the game in the second half to almost take that victory in regulation, that's kind of what you saw happen there with that point spread. Looking at team stats overall, Auburn had 43% from the field, same for St. Joseph, so evenly matched there, kind of reflected that in the way the game kind of shaped out scoring wise at the end of it. Auburn actually shot less from three-point range than St. Joe's, 28 to 30%. Here's what kills me guys, if you're a new person to inside the jungle, you will get to know this very well for me that I am a stickler, and I mean stickler for free throws. If you get less than 80% from the free throw the free let me say that again, free, free throw line, I will be upset with you. They get 67 for Auburn, thankfully St. Joe's gets a little bit less at 67. So again, look if you look at some of these stats we're talking about scoring-wise, you're seeing how well it lines up with the actual scoring and the overall results of the game of how close it was. Auburn does a little bit poorly from the three-point range, but better from free throw lines. So those kind of equal out and an equal field goal percentage. It's always interesting when you look at the numbers of basketball, how well they line up with each other overall. Turnovers-wise, 18 for Auburn. That's going to increase, I believe, when we get over to the Gonzaga stats in just a second. And 21 points off of turnovers for St. Joe's. Another reason they were able to come back in here. Here's what encourages me. Rebound games. Total rebounds, 56 for Auburn to 39 for St. Joe's. That should be a big, big encouragement. One of the other things that's plagued even Bruce Pearl teams these last six years is at some points they were not great rebounders, at least in this game. That was not the case. 56 to 39 is a huge spread margin there. So they dominated defensive rebounds and offensive rebounds as well. They got 32nd chance points and 35 points off the bench. You already knew that when we talked about actually who all scored points, huge contribution from the bench. And that's going to be natural in your first couple of games where you're just trying to figure out, is this my starting lineup? Is this who I'm going to go with? Who is fitting well in these roles? You might see Justin get a little bit more time coming up if he continues to do very well, but right now he's going to really help the bench points. That's obviously going to help Auburn overall as well. Uh, talking about rebound as well, forty points in the paint for Auburn was a huge, huge, huge success. Defensively, stats: five blocks, five steals, and then the one that I, I've had so many co-hosts now have to me, I think it was, I think it was Clint that was the stickler on assist. Sixteen assists for Auburn, twenty for Saint Joe's. So all in all stats wise it lines up with the storyline like we talked about. Thankfully Auburn is able to get the victory over Saint Joe's and uh, some very impressive stats for individuals and team in certain areas. Now let's move over to the Gonzaga game where Auburn does fall 67 to 90 a 20.23 20 point, point spread. Uh, for the Gonzaga Bulldogs taking down the Auburn Tigers in very convincing fashion. Number one team versus unranked. You expect it to be a convincing win, but this one, it hurt. I think it honestly hurt some of the Auburn fans' pride. And this is probably going to be a growing point for us as the Auburn fan base and family just trying to make peace with what would be potentially, I'm not calling it a rebuilding year, I'm calling it a revamp year because the talent is there. And you saw that in these games. However, the talent is not ready to regularly compete with a Gonzaga at the very least at this point. So I wasn't super shocked by it, but I think a lot of people, if you especially looked at reactions on social media and online, some people didn't handle it well, but that's just lots of the Auburn fans in general. There, I said it. (laughs) All right, let's walk through some of the stat lines there. We'll talk about uh, Auburn scoring breakdown here first with Turbo scoring five points. JT Thor, 11. Alan Flanagan, 20, is our leading scorer on the night. That was a great game for him. Uh, Jalen Williams, after having an excellent game as the leading scorer, scores zero points. Zero points. Yes, (laughs) it was night and day for him. Devin Cambridge had kind of a mediocre game, too, with six points. Uh, Jamal Johnson, 11 points for him, one of the top scorers uh, on the night for Auburn. John Franklin, 2. Chris Moore, 1. Stretch four, Justin Powell seven. And again, Dylan Cardwell with zero. Now I do believe that he probably got the fewest minutes out of everybody in both games. So that kind of makes sense. However, uh, if he's going to be your backup, kind of we'll call him center. It's always weird how they actually fill what role in a Bruce Pearl offense because he switched to actually kind of having more of a center with Austin. Will he do that with uh, Babatunde or Dylan in the future? But Dylan's got to find a way to make the most of his minutes, even if they are few and far between here so only two auburn tigers breaking three auburn tigers breaking the double digits alan flanagan jt thor and then uh jamal johnson uh, making some noise for the auburn tigers coming off the bench speaking of bench points only 25 for auburn in this game but here's the the interesting thing only 14 for gonzaga because the you know their starters did so well in this game whereas one of our starters Got zero points, and I believe that the starting lineup stayed the same across the board for Auburn uh, from ga- game to game. Would be Turbo, JT Thor, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and then Devin Cambridge as well. And yes, I am confirming that right now uh, that the starting lineup stayed the same. I don't. I think it's a little early personally to do some lineup changes. I don't know what you all think, but uh, I think you just kind of let this thing figure out. Especially you know if Sharif is not going to be in the mix. Now if Sharif comes in the mix. You probably, like we've talked about in season preview, probably see Turbo slide into maybe the, the sixth man role coming in very soon to kind of give Sharif a break. And honestly, even if Sharif come back in, because he's going to be quote unquote out of shape or not in sync with everything just after sitting out from practice and stuff like that, it's going to take a while for him to assume that role. So even if Sharif did come back, Turbo's not going to lose that job right away. If at all, maybe he earns it and keeps it. Sharif is a freshman after all. Just because you're a talented individual doesn't mean you've got the role right away. You've got to earn it here. Uh, Let's walk over here on defensive point breakdown. We already talked about this. Not a lot of production from the bench on Gonzaga, but we could not stop. Especially two players for Gonzaga Kispert, which I believe was the tall forward. At 25 points, and then another tall forward, Time? I don't know how you pronounce that. You're going to hear a lot of that on this podcast, me mispronouncing. Especially a lot of international players' uh, names, I will butcher them to know. And the fact that I can say Babatunde Akingbola so good is a miracle in and of itself. But Time got 28 points as the leading score for them. Their next highest score was Suggs at 12, and the other two starters got 5 and 6 points. A piece. And I, I mean, really, honestly, when you've got players doing what the, what Kispert and Taimei did, that's just, it's hard to beat a team when they're having nights like that. You, the pretty much my, my assumption of only allowing three or four players in double digits doesn't really factor in when you've got players, two players scoring 20 plus points in the high end of the twenties as well. All right, let's look at some team stats here. 37% from the field. For Auburn, and check this one out right here, folks. 53% from the field for Gonzaga. You win some ball games when you get 50% or more from the field. Three-point range. Auburn did a little bit better than last game, 31% as compared to 28% in the first game. And then Gonzaga didn't shoot as well at 29%. I think most of that kind of came late uh, for them. Free throws again. Auburn, surprisingly, and it didn't feel like it to me, did better. Um, 80% from free throw line, 71% for Gonzaga. So in terms of shooting better uh, from free throws and three-point range, Auburn did that, weren't able to capitalize a lot of stuff. Um, that was a little bit higher percentage shots and uh, in the paint, it seems like as well. Uh, points in the paint with 16 for Auburn. Check this one out again. Gonzaga, 52 points in the paint. My goodness, that's just that's just sick. And that goes back to those two forwards that were just dominant for them against Auburn all, all night. Rebound game, uh, total rebounds, 44 for Gonzaga, 32 for Auburn. So it's not like an outstanding uh, differential there, not like Auburn for St. Joe's, but still pretty decent differential for Gonzaga in their favor. Defensively, Auburn had seven blocks and nine steals, and then 12 assists. Uh, And then if you want to just compare with Gonzaga's stats, four blocks, seven steals, and 19 uh, assists for them. Uh, Turnovers actually were pretty even as well. Auburn had 17, a lot more in this game, and Gonzaga had 14. So I guess you could consider it somewhat of a sloppy game for both teams, but obviously more in Auburn's, if you want to call it, favor, against their favor uh, against Gonzaga here. So when you look at some crucial points in this stat line, especially team-wise, you can see why Gonzaga was so dominant, uh, points in the paint, rebounding, and then just, oh, goodness, fifty percent from the field. That's just that's what you you aim for and don't typically get there. When a team does that, especially as good as they are, you're not going to have a good night as the opponent. So, what does this mean for us as um, Auburn Tigers fans? With these first two games in here. I think it's too early personally to make large assumptions about this team. The only thing that you do know right now is that Sharif Cooper is at this moment not in the mix, that you won't be playing for postseason. So, really, two games on the road at neutral sites. I don't think we can make any large assumptions. I think we can take a lot away that we're surprised pleasantly about, Justin Powell being one of those. A lot of the talent that we speculated about. Uh, JT Thor seemed very good as well. Chris uh, Moore also thought, I thought he did a good job as well, kind of filling in some roles there. So a lot of these these talented guys that we've all assumed of to see it come to fruition on the floor is encouraging signs. So if you're down in the dumps by obviously this weekend, there's other implications with other sports as well while we're down in the dumps. But I think you can take a lot going forward to be encouraged about and we'll obviously be breaking down a lot more coming up very soon here with a new game and let's talk about that new game and that's how we'll round out most of these shows is by talking out the next game for just a second here we'll be going to orlando florida see how weird that is we canceled a tournament in florida in orlando florida and then we're going back to orlando florida i don't know It doesn't make sense to me it'll be weird uh they have not played a game de- uh, yet this year it'll be at five o'clock central time on monday uh the uh, 30th of November, and you can watch it on ESPN Plus if you have that subscription. So we have no uh, game film or stats from this season so far to break down. So it makes it very hard to speculate. And even so, when I'm looking up their roster, all, I usually like to provide you with the the best point scorer, the best rebounder, and both of those, and even the guys below them seem to have left. So this seems like they could be in a similar situation as Auburn, a lot of new talent. Trying to get it all meshed together, and they're going to have the disadvantage of it being their first game, but also the advantage of being at home in their home arena. So that could be very interesting. So I don't have a lot of information to give you in terms of what to expect and who to watch in this matchup. However, I will give you one interesting name, and that is a seven foot one center, Moses Bowl. That should be a very interesting and familiar last name if you are a major basketball fan, college and pro. That should be a name that you, at least last name, that you recognize. So, Moses Bowles, seven foot one center. We'll see for the first time how well Auburn's big men match up with someone that's even taller, more tall than they are uh, against uh, them in the paint. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know if he's going to be as good as some of the other Bowls have been in the past, but you can expect with a name like that that that's a basketball caliber and potentially going to be very, very, very talented. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen in Orlando. Hopefully we'll start a new streak after the Gonzaga loss, and they'll carry us through the rest of non-conference play. Still a lot of tough teams to face before we get into SEC play, though. So I want to appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll be back again very soon to talk about the UCF versus Auburn game in Orlando, Florida. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle.